This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. want to welcome everyone that's tuned into Radio K Pulpit. This is Alana Willyfeed with my program called Body Matters. And today I don't have a guest in the studio, but I'd love to share on a topic called the schemes of the enemy. So, you know, the enemy has always got means and ways of keeping us from God. And today I just want to chat a little bit about that and how we can recognize what the enemy wants to do in our lives. And the scripture that comes to mind is in John 10.10, which says the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I came to give you life and life in abundance. So just Let us talk a little bit about the strategies of the enemy. You know, from the day we were born, the enemy has been out to destroy us. And we as humans are already a threat to the enemy from the day that we were conceived. You know, Satan knows the calling, the gifts, the authority and the potential you know, that we have in Christ. And 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not cardinal, but mighty in God for putting down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what does this mean? This means that we are not fighting against flesh. We're not fighting one another, but we are fighting something more on the spiritual realm because it's not about it's not the 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 flesh that we war against but it's the stronghold it's the the enemy that backs up that person and so the biggest strategy of the enemy is to deceive us if you think about Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden and you know when they failed when they were disobedient to the lord you know, they, they hid from God because they were deceived. So one of the strategies of the enemy is to deceive us through lies, through doubt. You know, that the devil is called the father of lies. And we can read that in John eight forty four, which says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, you know, Satan is called the father of lies. Now, if you think about that, he's called the father of lies because that's his identity. His identity is rooted in a lie. And when we think about the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. Because the biggest spiritual battle, I believe, you know, that we face as Christians is between deception and lies versus God's truth. Now, I know so many times people say the battle is uh, between good and evil. And yes, it is definitely about good and evil, but mainly between a lie versus a truth. Because the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. 
the devil is called the father of lies. So that is the identity. And, you know, the first thing the enemy will try and do is to keep us from getting saved. If you are not saved, he's, you know what, if you are not, um, if you don't belong to Jesus, you know, the enemy is so happy. He will keep you there. He doesn't worry with the people that hasn't given their lives to the Lord, you know, because he knows without the Holy Spirit, you know, you are deceived. If we don't belong to Jesus, we don't have the spirit of truth in us. So if we don't have the spirit of truth in us, how will we know the truth and how will we know if we are deceived or not? You know, deception keeps us powerless against the enemy. You know, in Christ, we are more powerful than the enemy and we have authority over the principalities of evil. And many people are saved, but they don't know how to operate in the authority that they have in Christ because they are ignorant of the benefits that comes with being a Christian. You know, when we belong to Jesus, you know, and we, we know that when we know the word of God, when we know the constitution, you know, the word of God is like a constitution. It, it tells us our rights and our authority, you know, it tells us, um, you know, what we can do, what, what authority we have. You know, if you think about the country, the laws of, of a country, if you don't know the laws of the country and you don't know what rights you have, um, you can't stand up and fight against the law when you don't know what your rights are. And I believe that's the same with the Bible. If we don't know the Bible effectively, we cannot exercise our rights and authority on this earth. And in Hosea 4 verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as priests because you ignored the law, your God, of God, you sorry, let me repeat that because you have ignored the law of your God. I also will ignore you as children. So let's just stop there for, for a second and think about that. You know, the enemy is the father of lies, and when we've got the spirit of truth in us, it's the Holy Spirit. So it's lies versus the truth. Let us take a short break and then we'll come back on. What are the schemes that the enemy has to keep you and I away from God? Welcome back. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, this is Alana Willie for you with my program called Body Matters. And I'm chatting about the schemes of the enemy. You know, what is the plans of the enemy? How does the enemy keep us away from God? You know, and the, one of the things I've mentioned before the break was that the enemy is the father of lies. And I just want to repeat that scripture in John 10, 10 that says the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. But I came to give you life and life in abundance. Okay, so look, let us look at the enemy. You know, once we are saved, um, you know, the enemy will do everything possible to prevent us from maturing, growing and walking in our God-given purpose and calling. Because the mandate of all Christians is to destroy the kingdom of darkness, reclaim our authority, which was lost in the Garden of Eden, and to bring back God's rule and reign on earth. Okay, so first of all, the enemy is happy if you don't know God. 
He's not going to bother with you. But the minute you give your life to the Lord, you become a threat to the enemy. Because the enemy knows that you have got authority over him. And as long as he keeps you ignorant of your authority, you have no power over the enemy. You know, the enemy will sow doubt to create division between us and Father God. One of the, the schemes he has is doubt. Doubt that we are not good enough to receive the Father's love. You know, sometimes when we sin or we feel like, you know, we're not good enough, you know, the enemy will will say, you know what, maybe maybe God doesn't really love you, can't really use you. You know, God is, you, you're not his favorite, you know, you, you're broken. You see, the enemy entices us with feelings of guilt, fear, and shame to produce a sense of worthlessness within us. He wants us to feel so worthless and so messed up that we would think that God would never approve of us or want us, or use us, or even love us. And he will do anything to keep us from having an intimate relationship with God, or cause us to have a false perspective of the nature of Christ. You know, sometimes when we give our lives to the Lord, we don't always think that God is good. We don't really know, because we we associate God with people, you know, with your father, with your mother. We don't really understand that God is a God that loves us unconditionally. And the lie has caused many, many of us to have a false perception of God. You know, I was chatting to someone one day and you know what I said to her, have you ever given your life to the Lord? And she said to me, no, no, I can't. I'm too filthy to give my life to the Lord. I've messed up so much in my life. You know what? I don't even bother. I know God is, you know, he's not really, he would not really want me. And when I looked at her and I said, you know what? That's the biggest lie that Satan could ever say or make you believe because God came for the broken. You know, he never came to judge the world. He came to save the world, you know, and our perception of God is, you know, that we have to be perfect in order for him to love us. You know, if we get sick, um, we think God is punishing us. You know, I deserve this sickness. You know, maybe God is trying to teach me a lesson, you know, but, but think about it. The word of God says every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. Is sickness from God? No, because in heaven there is no sickness. You see, we get confused between good and evil. And I want to just stipulate that God is good. The devil is evil. God never came to judge the world, but to save us from the kingdom of darkness. That is his mission. He said he came for the brokenhearted. He came for, for us who are messed up. And I just want to tell someone today, you know what? We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. You know what? We fail God over and over and over again. It even says, um, you know, if we think we are good, we are deceived. So none of us are good. You know, if we were good, we wouldn't need God. And so God came for us. He came to heal us. You know, the enemy will use people, even people around you to hurt us to hurt you you know most of our hurts and insecurities if we look back comes from childhood many of us have things stored in our subconscious that we have not dealt with 
or may not even be aware of that these things could have caused trauma in our lives. You know, even when people speak negative words of your lives or curses of your life, it affects you, it affects us. You know, sometimes it's not what we have done, but what other people have done to us that makes us feel so bad. You know, the enemy will also often use people to reaffirm a lie in our lives so that we will eventually believe a lie over the truth. You know, say for instance, you have been betrayed by a partner or or something like that. And then you know what? The enemy will come and the enemy will say, wow, look what he's doing there. You know, he doesn't love you. Or, okay, you see, he didn't kiss you today, maybe, you know. So what the enemy does is he takes that hurt and he will reaffirm that hurt all the time. He'll make you believe that lie. And when a lie becomes a part of our belief system, when we start believing a lie, it's called a stronghold. You know, many of us have strongholds that we don't even know about. And our strongholds affect the way we perceive ourselves and the world around us. You know, when we are hurt or abused, we build our sense of identity around our experiences, which manifest in many behavioral issues like addictions, sexual sin, fear, and many more. And we will eventually act and filter life through our distorted paradigm. You see, these behavioral patterns enslave or bond us to the kingdom of darkness. You know, even as Christians, there are many areas of our lives that we can be enslaved by the enemy. But you know what the good news is? That the Lord came to set us free. He came to deliver us. You know, and in Isaiah 61, 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed, qualified me to preach the gospel of the good news, to yield the brokenhearted, and to set the captives free. You know, lies, as I said, the devil is the father of lies. He wants to enslave us to the kingdom of darkness. But God, with his spirit of truth, wants to set us free. That is God's heart, is to set us free. You know, the enemy will continue to tempt us in areas that we are weak. You know, many of us have fallen into temptation or we've been lured into temptation. And the enemy will continuously put out bait hoping that we'll take it in a moment of weakness. You know, the enemy will always lure us into situations or sin that we are trying to overcome or to keep us in bondage. So you will see the enemy will use our brokenness. He will use our weaknesses. He will use people around us. Um, You know, you will even find open doors of sin in our lives to gain legal access to our souls. He will even use the sins of our forefathers, which is called generational curses or sins. Maybe some of you have never heard about it. But there are things in our bloodline that, you know, things um, that our forefathers have done, but that's just come down from one generation to another. And that is like a familiar spirit. And that things will filter through from one generation until we recognize the hand of the enemy in that. You know, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelations 12, 10, it says, And I've heard a loud voice from heaven. Now, 
now have have come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down who accuses them before God day and night. You know, the devil will torment you on your sin. He will torment you on your weakness so that you will feel so far that you would want to run from God, not run to God. And that is his point. And I want to encourage someone today, even if you are struggling with an addiction, even if you have failed God, our first our first thing is to run from God. You know, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid from God because they felt ashamed and guilty. But I want to tell you today, even while you are sinning, run to God. Tell him, Lord, I have failed you. I'm continuously failing you. I'm messing up over and over again. He says, come boldly before my throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy. Run to him. Don't run from him. And God will help you. Even if you just can say, God, I am here. I'm in the midst of temptation. I'm in the midst of sin. Call out to him because God will never disappoint you. Don't run from him. And in 1 John 2, 11 says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who does plead our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And you know, this is what comes to mind. You know, when you do sin and you continuously sin, sometimes you want to hide it. Sometimes you don't even want to pray. You want to hide from God. He knows your sin already. The best thing is to do is go to him and plead guilty. The minute you plead guilty, the minute you confess your sins to one another, when that sin comes to the to the light, even if it's between you and God, you know, the enemy cannot accuse you when you already say, hey, I'm guilty. I confess I'm guilty. And only Father God, he's our intercessor. Jesus is our intercessor. He's interceding on our behalf all the time. You know, the enemy wants us physically and spiritually dead. And without God's spirit in our lives, without the spirit of truth, without his spirit that cannot die, we are spiritually dead. It is the spirit of God that gives us life, eternal life. God is spirit. Without God's spirit, we are powerless against the enemy and bound to the kingdom of darkness without hope of eternal life. You know, the spirit of death is operating in and on this earth today. And because of the fall, we are all exposed to it. You know, the spirit of death, the fact that we get old, the fact that we die is is the spirit of death working in us. But there is a spiritual death, there's a physical death. And, you know, when we... Sometimes it's first spiritual death, and that spiritual death will cause physical death. You know, the evidence of spiritual death is sickness, disease, aging, physical and mental deterioration. And we were never meant to get old or die. You know, when God's original plan for us is to, was to live with him forever in the Garden of Eden, we were never meant to get old or die because it was not part of his original plan for our lives. For this reason, God sent his son to overcome death, that we may experience, we may experience death in this life, but our reward is eternal life with Father God, because the spirit of God inside of us never dies. And I want to end off this section with saying, you know, that sometimes 
we want to blame the enemy for so many things. But you know what? The enemy has no power over us as Christians. It's only the power that we give him. You know, the enemy will put out bait. And it's up to us whether we will take the bait or not. So sometimes we are our own worst enemies. It's the power we give to the enemy when we indulge in sin. When we open the door to sin, we welcome the enemy in. And Deuteronomy 30.19 says, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You know, the choices we make will only will not only impact us, but our generations to come. Why? Because of the generational curses. So let's choose life. And I just want to take a short break and we'll come back on how does the enemy actually welcome back. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, this is Alana Willy Fear and this is my program called Body Matters. And today I'm chatting about the topic called the schemes of the enemy. Now, first of all, what is the enemy called? He's the father of lies. And then we've got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And I was just chatting about many ways in which the enemy will deceive us through lies, not making us feel good enough, planting seeds in our thoughts that keep us from God. And when I ended off, I was saying, you know, sometimes we are our own worst enemy, you know, because the enemy doesn't really have authority over us. You know, we have authority over the enemy as Christians. And I ended off with reading Deuteronomy 30:19, which says, I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses, and I choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Now, see, as we go back to how does sin start? How can we overcome the enemy to not fall into the patterns of sin? So the battle starts in the mind. We know that the enemy will always plant thoughts in our mind. He will put out bait and then he will watch to see if we'll take that bait. Excuse me. The enemy wants to control our thoughts because our thoughts will determine our belief system and our belief system will determine our actions and our actions will eventually determine the course of our lives. So all form of temptation starts in the mind. And Proverbs 23, 7 says, So a man thinks, so he is. You see, when the enemy plants negative thoughts in our minds and we don't take those thoughts captive or dismiss them, but choose to meditate on them, it will eventually take root in our hearts. And another translation in, in Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. And this means that our thoughts are directly linked to our hearts. Many years ago, I read an article of people who had heart transplants and received hearts from donors. And you know, they did research on these patients and they found that some of these patients experience, um, you know, some of the, the donor's behavior patterns. So they, they did research on, on the donor, those people that have given their hearts um, or donated it. And they did like research on what their life was like and what fears they had. And then when they did the transplant into the new um, person, they would do like research afterwards to determine um, how if if that person's um, behavioral patterns were different. And the conclusion was that 
the heart has a memory, just like the brain. And the study confirmed that there's definitely a link between the brain and the heart. Because some of the people who never had fear had become fearful or they disliked something before and after the heart transplant, they, um, you know, liked something or they would have nightmares. And so there was definitely a link between that. And in Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your heart above, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. So to me, the memory and the heart is connected. Our thoughts will eventually affect our emotions and our emotions are manifestations of our thoughts and out of our emotions, we will act, you know, just to make it practical, you know, you might think about, okay, say for instance, your husband said something to you that you didn't really like early in the morning. And so you sit and you meditate on that all the time. And eventually what will happen? You become angry. You start thinking about it. And so the whole day you're upset. You might be going to work or whatever, but, you know, this thing is bugging you. You're upset. Then someone might say something to you and you might just snap at them. So it becomes one big cycle. Your thoughts affect your emotions. Your emotions affect your behavior. And I don't know if any of you read Stephen Covey's book. He quoted there a quote that said, there's a split second between stimulus and response, meaning that we still have time to choose how we are going to respond when something is represented to us, whether someone says something to you, whether a thought comes to your mind, you know, we can make a choice. Are we going to allow that what we are thinking about to affect us or not? So our emotions are powerful. I want to tell you one of it. Our emotions are very powerful, but it's also very deceptive. You know, one thing someone, I think it's Joyce Meyer, talks about managing your emotions. She says one of the most deceptive part of our whole being is our emotions because we can act on it, whether when we're in a bad mood, when we think negative thoughts, we um, react negatively or we um, feel bad. And out of that bad feelings, we will react. And sometimes, you know, our, our emotions are deceptive. Um, sometimes we are fearful. Sometimes we are anxious. But just remember that those feelings aren't always the truth. And so, as I said, our emotions can be um, deceptive. You know, sometimes um, we are in a situation where we are anxious, we are fearful. And, you know, when you are operating in fear and anxiety or stress or whatever, you know, that's not from God. That's from the enemy. And the word of God takes preference. I want to tell you that the word of God takes preference over our emotions, meaning that we should not respond according to the way we feel. And why? Because our emotions are up and down all the time. The enemy plants seeds in our thoughts. Then one minute we are okay. The next minute we're down. The next minute we're crying. The next minute we're sad. The next minute we're on a high. And the next minute we're on a low. Never depend on your emotions to make a, a, a decision or, or whatever it is. Unless it is according to the word of God. You know that the word of God is the one and the only stable thing that we can fix on. So if the word of God says, do not fear, the word takes preference over how we feel. You see, just as we need to guard our thoughts, we need to manage our emotions. 
and not allow our emotions to manage us because it's so up and down, because it's so unstable. But when we go to the word of God, the word of God is stable. So here's just a few examples. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. This is such a powerful scripture. And I think when we can replace the word anger with any negative emotion, we need to deal with our emotions swiftly and practice self-control so that we do not act upon it in sin or lash out. Okay, so what I'm actually just trying to bring across in this thing is, you know, the enemy will come in and he will put thoughts in our minds. He will use people to say things to us. And how do we control ourselves that we do not sin? How do we prevent ourselves? First of all, to take our thoughts captive, bring it under the obedience of Christ. You know, because when we take our thoughts captive, it will not affect our emotions and it will not f- affect the way that we will react. So if we can nip it right there by the thought, we can prevent ourselves from sinning because it says in your anger, do not sin. So that that doesn't go over to sin. And another powerful thing is when we are emotional and we get out of control, we struggle to keep our tongue in check. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm angry, when I'm emotional, you know, I just say things that you know you sometimes you regret and the enemy loves this because with our own mouths we can self-destruct you know that our, our tongues are so powerful the bible says that we need to keep our tongues from evil and i know i'm guilty of this sometimes you know you're angry and then you just say whatever you feel and you know what it can do so much damage because james 3 6 says the tongue also is a fire a world of evil amongst the part of the body it corrupts the whole body sets the whole course of one's life on fire and it is itself set on fire by hell and there's another scripture i'm just trying to think it says um life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who you know, we'll eat eat the fruit of it. And to me, that is so powerful because, you know what, the, the word of God is powerful. You know, God's our words are powerful. We can either prophesy death or life. So in our emotional state, when we want to say things or do things, we prophesy and we can cause a lot of damage. And in Matthew 15, 11, it says, what does it to someone's what? What, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth is what defiles them. And another scripture, Matthew 12, 30, 12, 36 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. We can cause our tongues, could use our tongues for good or for evil. You know, if we curse others, we are in danger of the fire of hell. And the Bible also clearly stipulates that if we want to live a long life, we need to keep our tongues from evil. Evil talk does not only affect others, um, but it affects our circumstances. And it can even cut our own short, our own lives short. In 1 1 Peter 3.10, it says, Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from deceitful speech. There are many scriptures I can that support this statement. You know, we when we do not control our thoughts, 
you know, when we do not take our thoughts captive when the enemy come or manage our emotions, we can ensnare ourselves by our own words and our actions. And our tongue is so powerful, it either sows life or death. And you know what? Sin eventually causes us to have a hardened heart. And the fruits of a hardened heart are bitterness, anger, resentment, and unforgiveness. Can you see that it's not the enemy that really um, destroys us? The enemy will cause us to destroy ourselves when we take his bait. Because we have the choice whether we want to entertain those thoughts or not. You know, remember that God at the end of the day looks at man's heart. He says, for man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And a hardened heart can can cause us to become miserable, self-focused people. And we are no longer sensitive to others' needs or unable to heed the Holy Spirit. Um, some refer to a hardened heart as a slumbering spirit. And it says, whoever seals his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever um, confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And lastly, sin will eventually lead to spiritual death and then physical death. And I have chatted about that in the previous um, section that I spoke about. Um, so you know what? God wants us to guard our hearts. When you guard your mind, you guard your heart. You know, in Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, believers, what is true, what is honorable, and what is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any Think excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, think continue on these things. You see, we are instructed to always meditate on what is good. Good thoughts produce good behavioral patterns, and we can replace a negative thought by purposefully choosing to think of something good. Our minds are our gatekeepers of our hearts. And I just want to end on that note. You know, our minds are so powerful, it will determine our destiny, what you allow to entertain or not. And God says, choose life. You know, the enemy, as I said, doesn't have any power over us unless we give him power. Unless we, we, we choose to, to take his bait. And, you know, today I just want to say there is the Holy Spirit. God had given us the Holy Spirit and we can call on the Spirit anytime. And I just want to pray for you this morning, for those of you who, who want to, you feel like you're so far from God, you feel like you've messed up, you've fallen in sin. You know, I want to say that God is a God that forgives us of our sins. I want you to read Psalm 103. It says, and I don't know it off by heart, but it says, praise the Lord, all of you, and forget not all his benefits who yields all our diseases. You know, and it goes on where it says that God will renew our youth like those of an eagle. You know, he will forgive our sins and he will remove it as far as the east is from the west. Now, I want to just encourage you. Even when you're sitting and you've listened to this program and you feel, you know what, I have sinned so much. 
I've fallen. I've fallen so badly. You know, I don't know if God can forgive me. Well, you feel like you've been tormented by the enemy. I just want to say run to God. Run to him. Confess your sins to him. Even if you are still struggling to get over it, just confess it to him. Say, sorry, Lord, you know, I'm struggling. Help me to overcome. So, Father God, I come and I pray for every single person that is listening to my voice today who's struggling so badly, Lord. They feel so far from you. Lord, where the enemy has tormented them, where they feel like, Lord, that you won't accept them, that they've blown it this time. You didn't blow it. I just want to say you didn't blow it. God, that your arms are still open wide for them. Father, your word says they can come boldly before your throne of grace and obtain mercy. Father, I pray that those people, that you will, that you will come to God. His arms are open. He's given you chance after chance after chance. God is a God of mercy. Until the day you breathe your last breath, you have still a chance to be forgiven. Call out to God. Ask Him today to forgive you. Ask Him to help you. He will not disappoint you. The Word of God says that whoever comes to me will not be disappointed. So, Lord, I pray for every person today. I pray that they will call out to you because your word says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, thank you that your arms are wide open. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. Touch every person. Help them to overcome. May they experience you, Father God. May they experience your love and your forgiveness, Father. It doesn't matter how big or how small that sin is. Father, they can come to you. And I pray that you will minister to their hearts. That you'll wipe away their tears. And we bind that tormenting spirit over their lives right now in the name of Jesus. Tormenting spirit, you will not torment your people any longer in the name of Jesus. So, Father, thank you that these people may experience your love and your grace, knowing that you've given them opportunity after opportunity to come to you, no matter how bad they may feel. Thank you, Father, that you are God of grace and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. And if I've ministered to your heart today, and if you feel that, go to God. He will not disappoint you. It's never too late. While you have breath, it's never too late. God is waiting for you. He will wash you clean. He will forgive your sins. And the word of God says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Repent. Accept God's forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Move on. Get up from the ashes. Get up. God says, my people will fall many times, but he will lift you up with his righteous right hand. For God's forgiveness is ongoing. So just keep on coming to him, even in your sin, in your filth, in your mess, whatever you may feel, you know, today, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. So I want to thank each and every one of you that has listened to my program this morning 
And um, I mean this afternoon. And I just pray that this week will be a good week. And that you'll just surrender everything to Father God this week. And know that He cares deeply about you. And I'll meet up again with you next Saturday at the same time. Have a wonderful week from Yolanda Willifee. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.